0: Mark 11 begins this way, when they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and near Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here right away. So they went and they found a colt outside in the street tied by a door. They untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying a colt? They answered him, just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. They brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many of the people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. He went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And now in Hebrews 8, starting in verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. But finding fault with his people, he says... See, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. I showed no concern for them, says the Lord, because they did not continue in my covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each his brother or sister saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them for I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. By saying a new covenant, he has declared that this first is obsolete and what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Morning church, glad to be here this morning Uh, as as, uh, I was already here last week, Uh, Drew was preaching because I was coming back from Poland and just in case there were any uh, difficulties or problems, we just wanted to make sure that all those things were taken care of. Um, Ordinarily I don't like doing this. But sometimes it just needs to be done, because as I was engaging with the, my sermon preparation this week, and I was actually here last week and heard Drew's message and uh, was, was, was reflecting on just what Drew was teaching and what Drew was saying, and then I was doing my own study this week. Ordinarily, I really don't like doing this. Um, it just gets awkward when you correct somebody. And I was, but, but I, I just, you know, he's saying these, teaching these things, and, and I thought for the most part he did a really good job. For the most part, and, and then the more that I studied, and the more that I was unpacking this, I just realized laurel how do you hear Laurel? Do you guys know what i 'm talking about for here last week <laughs> so i don 't know if somehow Drew was skipping a step in his study last week, but I, I had an opportunity to listen to it, and it is Yanny, isn't it? How many of you are yannis out there, right me and Amy Moss and like only. Um, were any of you here last week? Do any of you know even what I am talking about? But clearly, it is a Yanny. Um, so the two things I actually learned was number one, Drew doesn't listen well. And then I went in, because Andrea and I did not have a chance to to kind of do it right after the, the sermon on Sunday, and so I went back and I said, what do you hear? And she goes, Laurel. And I went, you too, seduced by, by faulty, wrong teaching. Um, So last week, we had an incredible opportunity to hear what it meant to hear, Uh, a challenge to recognize that Jesus speaks, but not everybody hears Him, not everybody wants to hear Him, not everybody is able to hear Him. There are obstacles that get in our way. Today, we are celebrating Palm Sunday. Uh, We are celebrating a time, and this happened occasionally in Jesus' ministry, but it didn't happen all the time, where somehow the, the people's eyes were opened, or at least opened enough, that they were able to see who Jesus was and respond to Him properly. I I think that's why this Sunday is just always a a very encouraging and exciting Sunday. I think it's one of the reasons why it can be so difficult to really walk through very intentionally that, that week that we have together, because it begins on this high note. Hosanna! God save! And then it seems to go downhill from there, and and Jesus is the one who is speaking very clearly um, and very critically of religious leaders, and even at times with his own disciples trying to help them see uh, just really who he was, because it's one thing to see Him and to respond. It's, it's another thing to staying focused on Him and seeing Him properly. And I think that's a little bit of the, of the difficulty that we have, is that when we look at the entire week of Jesus, it starts on a high note, Good Friday, but then the next Sunday, it's, it's not just a high note, it's it's the, it's the climax. It's the, it's the point. It's absolutely everything. Jesus Christ, in terms of who He is and what He is all about, just comes to fruition. Um, and, and, and it's that idea of seeing and I, I just couldn't help but after Drew was, was sharing last week about this confusion about see, or about hearing and what do you hear?" and what do you hear? You guys have probably seen stuff like this. Have you not? Just pictures that'll say, "What do you see?" Have you seen this one lately? There's actually a series of numbers that are in this, and I remember as I was kind of going through and finding it, I just, well, there's the two. Oh, wait, there's a five and a two. Oh, there's an eight. And as you keep on going, it gets more difficult to see, but I remember one of the things that somebody said was, no one has ever seen all, yeah, I see some of you squinting, trying to figure it out. Again, like Drew said last week, please don't try to figure this out right now on your iPhone. But what do you see? And some of it is very, very clear, and then the rest of it gets rather obscure. Three, four, five, two, eight, three, nine. Do you see the nine at the very end? No, I just see the two. Maybe you've seen a picture like this. What do you see? Is this an old woman or is it a young girl? How many of you have seen this? Take a psychology class, and they're wanting you to say, how many, how many of you see, by the way, the old woman? Raise your hand if you see the old woman. And then raise your hand if you actually see the young girl. The young girl, Yeah. And, and, and again, sometimes it's like, oh, oh, now I see it. So you see one, and then the more you see and the more you reflect, you, oh, oh now I see the other one. Or, or maybe you've seen this one before. Is that a rabbit or a duck? I know the bills kind of clipped out of that, but I, I'm a duck guy. I see the duck. How many of you see the duck? Raise your hand. Good. That means you have good eyesight. <laughs> How many of you see the rabbit? Yeah, sorry, you're wrong. And then maybe this one here. Have you seen this one? That's just freaky. That's just weird. Is that someone looking at me, or is that someone looking away? How many of you see someone looking at you? And how many of you see someone looking away? Yeah, well, it's clearly looking at you because the ear. So now, now here's what I find interesting. Is I, I, I was as as I was doing this. You know, this is the. This is the kind of research that goes into some of these messages, by the way. I began to think, there was a look at these ten things, what do you see? And, and, And then it would say, if you see this, like if you see the young woman... And then they would, they would describe, psychologists see this about you. And what I found very interesting was, is that you would, you would see this picture, then it would say, do you see this? And then it would describe you. And so there it is, the young woman. And it would say, you, you pay attention to detail. You do such a great job paying attention to detail. Um, you, you, you really see the fine points. And you're, you might not be good at this, but you're really, really good at this. And then they'll, they'll go to another one. What do you see, the duck or the rabbit? And I'm like, I clearly see the duck. And then they'll say, you're a creative. You don't really pay attention to detail. And I'm just kind of going, so which is it? And the answer is, on things like that, what do you see? The old woman? I remember seeing that in a psychology class in university and just thinking it was absolutely amazing. And, And then I thought to myself, no, wait a second. The artist in this actually drew it with a complicated purpose. The artist did it. It was intended to look like a duck rabbit, right? They they intended to make it look like a young old woman. That they're really trying to... It's more of an optical illusion. This is more magic. That's not what's happening in the Bible. That's not what we see. And I think it's important that as we get ready to prepare our hearts and our minds to see... And to hear Jesus, that we recognize that what he is not doing, what he's not doing, is trying to create some kind of illusion. He's not trying to complicate you. It's, it's not a game. As fun as it is, Yanny, Laurel, as interesting and even worldly insightful as it might be, which one do you see? Which one of that describes who you are in your inner self? No, that's not what Jesus is doing. He's not trying to complicate things. He is actually making things clearer. I think that's why it's so important that we realize that what we do here on Sunday morning matters more than we realize. That what happens when the Word is read and when the Word is spoken and when the Word is challenged is that there is, both in Jesus' day and in our own, there is a sifting that's happening. The importance of the moment is that Jesus isn't trying to do some magic trick. He's not trying to complicate matters. He is who He is God in flesh, come sent by God, the Son of God, in order to redeem humanity. And He comes and, and He speaks. And there are those of us that just hear him so clearly and others that struggle to hear him. And there are those of us that see him so clearly, clearly, and there are those that actually struggle to see him. But if we're being honest, and this is what the Bible teaches, is that there is this sifting that happens with us. There is this evaluating we are so used to in our culture today to sit back and to evaluate and to literally say, what? You don't hear Yanni? What's wrong with you? because why? It's clearly what I heard. So that's clearly what it is. What? You don't see the old woman? What's wrong with you? And and we sit in a position of um, self-appointed authority on almost everything, always evaluating, always judging, and and not doing a lot of, of, of listening And not doing a lot of changing. We only know how to be the one who's going to set the standard, and and that is why seeing and hearing is so difficult. And by the way, in the Bible, seeing and hearing is so important. All through the Bible, seeing and hearing are closely connected. In the book of Revelation that John is going to write later on in his life, He's going to say things like this repeatedly through the book. I heard and then I saw. I saw and then I heard. I heard this trumpet that would blast and then I saw. And he is describing this interplay of God making himself known fully to who he, his people are. God making himself fully known to his creation that has rebelled against him. God making it clear in terms of who he is. So we really don't want anyone to be somehow um, confused or misguided, And, and we want to make sure that we're very, very clear that God makes Himself known. And the reason why some of us hear and some of us see and some of us don't see and some of us don't hear is because there is something, Drew pointed out three reasons last week, there is something that is essentially broken with us. And, and, and that is why, before we delve right into the, the sounds and the sights of Palm Sunday, before we go there, John's Gospel makes it very clear. And I want us to be reminded of this this morning as we, as we consider what happened on Palm Sunday. You're not in as much control of your life and your destiny as you think you are. I'm not saying that you and I don't have a responsibility to do our best to hear clearly or to see rightly. I'm just saying that John's gospel makes it out that those who come to faith do not come to faith by their own power and by their own volition. It is not like the way that a, that a husband and a wife have a child. It's not like that. There is something supernatural that happens. There is something supernatural that is going on this week. As the Lord is sifting us with the truth about who He is, it is this action that happens which teaches us there is an ongoing reminder of our dependency on God to open our ears and to open our eyes. In Egypt, they saw the power of God, and some saw Him as a deliverer, and and others saw Him as just a tyrant. And they saw Jesus. Some, some saw him as someone who not just had love and care and compassion, but he truly is the Son of God. And others saw him as a problem, And so I I pray this week that as we prepare for next Sunday to celebrate the the, the climax, the ultimate reason why why God has come is to demonstrate his love for us by raising his son from the dead and proving victory over sin and over death. And we will come and we will celebrate that, I guess, with sweets. So that'll be fun too. That's not the highlight of next Sunday, but sure, I get it. that would be fun too. Let us, in our week of preparation... Not just assume that we can muster faith on our own. How often have you just like, just tried to see Him, and it's hard, and tried to hear Him, but it just sounds out of tune? I know what that's like. Do you pray? When was the last time you you prayed, God, open up my eyes, help me see Jesus, God, open up my ears, help me to hear him, give me better vision, give me better hearing on who Jesus is and what he is about. Now, Now, here's how we see it actually playing out, and it's interesting, there are so many sounds and sights of Palm Sunday Uh, We decided that in light of this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, these three Sundays that that celebrate the final week of Jesus Christ and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then the ongoing work uh, of the church and the victory that we find in Him, that it would be good for us to not just be aware of what's going on in John's gospel, John chapter 12, because we're not there yet in our study of John. But to literally, to to look at this, and so our text that was actually read to us is from Mark chapter 11, so you can turn there now, look at Mark chapter 11, and this is what we see happening, unfolding in Mark's gospel. All the gospel accounts come together on this. They they really do. Even though some of the the final days of Jesus' life, John takes a very different perspective than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the triumphal entry is in all of them. Triumphal entry is in all of them, and here is how John describes it, and I want you to just pay attention to the sights and the sounds of what is happening. They brought the colt to Jesus, colt symbolizing, representing um, royalty. Um, There's a sense of humility, but there also is a sense of royalty. White stallions were usually used to kind of draw this picture of, like, victory, and although Jesus is going to be victorious, there is a humility about His kingship. But it's not uncommon for a king within Israel to come on a donkey. They throw clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, demonstrating a preparing the way, a we understand who you are, and we're celebrating this. Now, you need to remember, in Israel's history, people going into a city and claiming to be a king was a bit of a complicated mess. Even David had to worry about this. Now, most of Saul, he would be the king before David, most of Saul's family was already dealt with. They had already passed away, except for one, Mephibosheth, and David showed love to him. But when someone would ride into town like this, it was a little bit of a place your bets. It was a little bit of a a statement that was being made, and then for, by the way, those people that weren't happy with, I I don't like like this new king. He's not my king, right? You thought that was a recent movement, not mine? No, that's old. And so there were always people that thought, why why does David get to be king? Why why does David get this? And then those people who recognize David for who he is, the appointed one of God, then then they, they welcome him. They want to open up their lives to him because when the king comes, your response to the coming of the king really dictates how things are going to go from there. Did you hear that? When the king comes... It's already a weighing out of like, how? How how did you respond to him? So when the king returns, when Jesus Christ comes back, the question is, how did you receive him when he first rode into town? As you were hearing about him, what is your ongoing response to who Jesus is as he makes himself known, as he continues to speak to you? Do you find yourself seeing him and seeing him more clearly and hearing him and becoming increasingly obedient? Or do you find yourself disconnected, forever disconnected? lost, forever lost. And so coming in on this colt, and they are welcoming him. They spread their clothes on the road. People spread leafy branches cut from the, from the fields, and those who went ahead, they shout, Hosanna, <laughs> Lord save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what's interesting about that statement is you and I, since we now live on the other side of the resurrection and we think, Lord, save, that save idea always just, we think about like dying and then going to heaven. That's not what they thought at first when they would say this. When David first rides into town and they receive David and they say, you know, God save us, they they literally are thinking in a very worldly way, which, by the way, is not always bad to have a worldly perspective. You don't need to apologize to God or to anyone else for your worldly needs. And for the need for them to be satisfied and to be provided by God himself. And so they would cry out, Hosanna, Lord save, and, and, and thank you so much for this king. The people needed so desperately for him to be a good king. But what's interesting is, is that the sight, the, the colt, and the branches, and the clothes, and the, the welcoming actually matches what they're saying. Hosanna. God save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord because He is the one who is coming. He is the one who is sent to bring salvation. And again, all they're thinking about is salvation from their enemies, ongoing provision for their daily needs that a king should rightly provide for. They're stuck in this worldly dimension. Verse 10 points Not only at David, and then not only towards Jesus, but ultimately to something bigger that God is doing, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And I I think it's important that we realize that so many of the statements that are made in the Bible that are made by people just like you and me who are struggling to see and trying to hear, are making statements, even very, very true statements but they still don't understand the fullness of what they're saying. They still don't understand the depth to which God loves, the depth to which God wants to redeem, the depth to which God is going to save. And and that is why when Jesus would encounter someone with a need, a woman, and and no one can help her, no, no doctors can help her, and Jesus comes, and he says, your, your faith has saved you, it has saved you. Now, now by the way, what he, what he means by that, and so some translations even use the word heal. The word heal and the word save, those are two different English words, but it's the same, same root Greek word. Your faith has saved you, and I, I think of her often, and I think about her appeal, and, and she, she has this very earthly, this very physical need. And she believes that somehow that Jesus, the Son of God, I don't understand fully who He is. I just know that He can rescue me from this. He can deliver me from this. And so she goes out and and she reaches out and she touches Him. And Jesus turns around and He says, your faith in me, your belief in who I am has literally healed you of your illness. And then I stop and think, At that moment, as she's looking into Jesus' eyes, she has no idea of the depth of his love, and she has no idea of how many other ways he can continue to save her. I know that… I can imagine the conversation, Jesus saying to her, I know that you thought this was the most important thing. I know and I understand why you really believe that this illness that this obstacle that this struggle that you're going through is the most important thing and, and, and daughter you are healed believe in me but do you know the depth to which I can continue to rescue you the depths to which I can continue to save you Christian, brothers, sisters, this Easter, may we get a sense of who Jesus is as we cry out to Him and bring all of your needs to Him. But please, do not ask for a rescue that is short of His intended rescue. Do not ask for a deliverance that is so much smaller that He ultimately intends for you. Do not settle for a blurred or some kind of muddled seeing or hearing in terms of who he is and walk away and and be satisfied. We're in John's gospel when he says to Nicodemus, How do you not get this? Where he says to the woman at the well, If you only knew, don't you get that sense? If you only knew the kind of water I could provide. Brothers and sisters, we know what he can provide. And that's why it's, it's so important for us to realize that so many of us, when we look at Jesus, if we're going to be honest, we see what we want to see. I, I think that's why it's so painful and hard, especially when I think, and by the way, I think it's good to think about both. I know that we need to focus primarily on us and, and who we are, not in a selfish way, but as Jesus said, before you start dealing with the specks in other people's eyes, make sure that you see the log in your own which is kind of interesting. It's hard to see the log when you have a log in your eye because all you see is log and you get used to seeing log and you don't even know that there is anything else. I understand that that is true, but, but there also is a responsibility and a need that we actually have to care for others and to help them see and hear. But in reality, and the Bible teaches us, I think this is what Drew did such a good job helping us listen or hear last week was There are people because of their fascination with others and wanting their praise because they just don't want to. They love their sin. I love my sin. Because of that, you'll be, and the Bible warns about this, you'll be always seeing, but never really seeing. You'll be always, I mean, here, I get it. You're able to hear, but you're not really listening. That, that's like this spiritual deadness. And so I want to just take a look. I, I know that we're, we're not quite there yet. We'll be there, I, I believe, I think we were looking at it. I think it's in October we'll be in John chapter 12. But go to John's gospel. This is, this is actually exclusive to John because John's the only one that actually reveals the great story of Lazarus. Isn't that strange? I find it very strange. I find it amazing that no one else talks about the Good Samaritan. That's only Luke. That surprises me. Nicodemus, the woman at the well, and Lazarus are only in John's gospel. And to me, they're three amazing stories. How do the others not include them? So I don't understand why. I'll have to ask them when we get to heaven. I'm not trying to offer a word of critique. I just, I find it fascinating. Lazarus is just not even mentioned. And maybe that's why John draws in with this issue, because John loves to talk about this seeing and hearing and what it means to see Jesus and then to hear him and to respond in obedience. And so John really helps his audience see and hear to, to, to get to understand that the raising of Lazarus and then the, the, the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, are actually rather closely connected. And, and you would think, right, you would think that after seeing Jesus raise someone from the dead who had been dead for a long time, you would kind of go, okay, well, obviously we know who he is now, right? Like, how do, you, how do you not see Lazarus raised from the dead and not connect the dots and go, okay, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's am- he's not David Blaine. He really knows what he's doing, right? This isn't an illusion. This is real. It's more than, and why is because they don't want to. They don't want to. Look at verses 17 through 19. In John chapter 12. Meanwhile, the crowd, and then notice what what crowd he's talking about here. So this is the crowd on Palm Sunday. Meanwhile, the crowd, which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. So they saw the miracle, and so they continued to speak about who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ, they be, testifies a big word in John's Gospel. It is to bear witness to who he is. Here is what I saw, and so therefore here is what I've got to say. Here is what I understand Jesus to be, and so the words of my mouth have to match what I have seen so clearly with my eyes. Jesus is, and I'm saying I believe that too. That's the interplay between seeing and hearing. And then look at what it says. And this is also why the crowd met him, because they heard that he had done the sign, which is interesting, right? So it's not just the crowd that saw, but it's also the crowd that heard, which is a big deal in John's Gospel. Remember Thomas at the very end? Thomas is somebody who had only heard, and he had a hard time believing, and then all of a sudden he saw, and Jesus made the statement, not only blessed are those who see and believe, but blessed are those who only hear and believe. So this crowd that is crying out to Jesus, Hosanna, in the highest, Lord, save. I don't think they fully understand what they're saying, but Jesus does. So they get it, right? They've seen or they've heard, and, and now they're responding properly to Jesus. And then look at verse 19. And then the Pharisees said to one another, you see? They're looking at this event. Isn't this fascinating? They're looking at the event of Jesus being praised as the king and the kingdom coming. They know that he has just raised Lazarus and there are so many other signs that point. This is the raising of Lazarus was the seventh sign in John's gospel. You see? And I wanna, if I could win that, I wanna say to them, like I do, why don't you You see? You've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They are so bent on not seeing him. Isn't that interesting? In the same crowd, those who are seeing and responding, and those who are doubling down. It's a sifting. It's a It's a revealing. What's happening this Easter? I don't know if you're aware of this, but what's happening this Easter is that you are are being challenged to see and to hear Jesus, and the question becomes whether or not you will be able to. And you can't just try. I believe the most neglected of all the spiritual. Uh, growth, things that we might do is that we would pray. If if you find yourself stuck, if you find yourself not seeing or hearing, not believing, not trusting, not responding, I I really think it's, it's also a matter of prayer, that you would ask to God to humble you and to Open up your heart so that you can respond to him in faith. I also love this verse. Look at verse 16. So the verse right before the section that we read. I want you to feel a sense of comfort this morning because um, the disciples didn't fully know what was going on. Look at verse 16. His disciples who are yelling, Hosanna! Hosanna! They're all excited about him coming in. Look at this verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. If you're here this morning and you don't understand everything, good. That is okay. That is actually a normal part of the spiritual journey. To not fully understand or to not appreciate, but to know, I don't know all that Jesus can do, but I do know he can do this. I don't know all of what Jesus is leading me towards, but I do know he's leading me here. I don't know all of the brokenness within my own life, but I do know that this is broken. And I do know that Jesus can bring redemption and restoration. I don't know all of where I will be, but I know where I am going because I know the one in whom I believe, and his name is Jesus. I love this statement. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified... Meaning, after He had been raised from the dead, and it is now so much clearer as to what's happening, after He had been glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about Him and that He had done these things to Him. The Christian life is spent so much looking back on what God has already accomplished, And that's why Easter is so important, because we're here to not just celebrate what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross, but the confirmation of that and the celebration of that in terms of His resurrection. And so I want to close by just challenging you with this thought. What do you see in Jesus? What do you see in Him? And I do believe there's a strong connection between our ability to hear and then to obey, because that's, the, that's the, the important part of it, is that we hear what He has asked us to do, who He's called us to be, and then we respond to that. We hear His words of truth about God and about ourselves. We hear about His plan of redemption, and we then respond. Our eyes need to be opened so that we might see Him for who He is. And that's why I think the book of Hebrews is so helpful. Hebrews, Yeah. Because the book of Hebrews gives an insight to those on Palm Sunday or on this Palm Sunday for those who are are really trying to figure out, like, what what, what difference does really Jesus make? And the answer is, (laughs) he makes all the difference in your world. He is the fundamental point of it all. For those of you that are still trying to work out religious ideas, Or um, you're trying to work on some kind of moral failure in your life. You're still trying to deal with, like, a brokenness. You're still trying to, like, um, work on relationships. By the way, all important things, but without Jesus, you're spitting in the wind. Without Jesus, you don't understand the point. It's not about religion, and it's not about morality. It's not about being good people. It is about being saved, and it is about being saved, and then saved more and saved more, deeper and richer and truer until we are completely formed in the image of the one who died for us, and his name is Jesus. What do you see? So here's what the Hebrew writer says. See, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. I've heard so many Christians say, oh, if it was back then, oh, I would so be such a stronger believer. If I could see those plagues, if I could see the parting of the sea, you've thought it, haven't you? Me too. If I could just see that, And, and, and the Hebrew writer says, that's nothing. I showed no concern for them, says the Lord. That's, by the way, a whole sermon on itself. I showed no concern for them, says the Lord, because they did not continue in my covenant. That is not what saved them. Those miracles did not rescue them. That, none of that actually did it. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And by the way, this is a quote from Jeremiah 31. This isn't something the Hebrew writer's making up. He's saying, no, it's in there. This is what God was pointing to. In Jesus Christ, I will put my law into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each his brother and sister saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. And why will they know me? For I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. You and I are so trying to just be better people, right? I get it. That it's so much like the woman saying, I think this is my problem, and Jesus saying, you have no, I mean, you have no idea what your problem really is, but we can start here. In this Easter season, can we move beyond just some shadowy image, some, some garbled words from Jesus Christ and begin to see and hear Him for who He truly is and what He is really here to do, which is to save us from our sins, not just to make us better people, but redeemed people, forgiven people, free people because of what He has done for us. And that is why when you see Jesus, if all you see is a taskmaster, you don't get it. If all you see is somebody who is here to just give you more instruction, you're not seeing him and therefore you're not hearing him correctly. What he has come to do is to save you to your very core by his forgiveness of your most broken points. And and therefore, just like last week, I want to end with a little bit of a time of reflection a time of reflection and and some questions that I want to give to you. It's kind of the same question. Do you see Jesus and hear Jesus more clearly this Easter season than last year? Are you responding to Jesus more faithfully than you did 365 days ago? I hope that you are. Like I hope you haven't just let this whole year go by and you haven't worked. A comedian made this joke. He said, you know, I, I went, to the, went to the doctor, and I got some, some, some contacts. I got my contact prescription uh, fixed the other day, and I thought, wow, I can really see. And then he asked this question. How could not seeing clearly not be the top of your to-do list? How do you wait so long in order to finally see? Isn't seeing, like, one of the most important things? And whenever I hear that joke, I think, yeah, in a spiritual sense, how could not seeing Jesus be the top of your to-do list? If nothing's changed, or maybe you're walking away, what needs to change? Let's spend a few moments just reflecting on that.